Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode was hosted by Graham Sucha. Graham has worked within the Calgary business community for nearly 15 years. He has spent the past year working for a tech not-for-profit following a four-year stint where he served as the MLA for the constituency of Calgary Shaw. Now let's hear Graham's conversation with Laurie Farley. Take it away, Graham. Hi there, my name is Graham Such, and I'm hosting today's podcast. And today I'm joined by Laurie Farley, who's a co-founder of Impact Calgary and Intonovas. Um, Lori has spent over uh, 20 years in sort of management and leadership roles and has also worked for the past 30 years with uh, different not-for-profit sectors uh, throughout the ecosystem. So Lori, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Excellent. And uh, you've hosted many uh, Rainforest uh, podcasts before, but this is, uh, is this the first time that you've been interviewed or is it? Uh, I'm on the other side of the fence today. Oh, excellent. <laughs> so th- this will be fun. Well, looking kind of at your bio, there's, uh, there's a lot to cover. So I'm going to jump right in. And uh, I would love to hear some of the work that you're doing with uh, Impact Calgary, if that's all right. Yeah, so Impact Calgary uh, is a precursor to uh, another organization that we're building right now. So Impact Calgary was created because we're in the process of launching, bringing, I can't say launching, in the process of trying to launch an Impact Hub here in Western Canada. So there's, um, uh, I think there's about 150 Impact Hubs globally. It's a global network of um, organizations and businesses that are trying to push forward on social impact, so social enterprises, um, green businesses, clean tech, those types of businesses are typically a part of an impact hub. It includes for-profit and not-for-profit businesses. Our impact hub will be focusing on for-profit businesses at, in support of not-for-profit organizations. Oh, wow. So, um, would you say that this is something similar to a makerspace or a co-working space, or would it differ in, in that regard? It's all connected. So uh, an impact hub, our impact hub, all impact hubs are different, and they are all run independently of the global network. So the global network, every impact hub that becomes a member of the global network is an owner of the global network. So all the impact hubs that are created are created based on what the need in that community is. So we have a large tech community. We have a large oil and gas community. We have a large activist community here in um, Calgary, especially. And we also have um, uh, a very entrepreneurial spirit here in Calgary. So that's how our Impact Hub, when we are able to bring it online, uh, is intended to operate. So Impact Calgary currently operates in that space. And so what we do is we help entrepreneurs um, get the right resources in the right time in the right order for them. And that means that we are hoping that we can help um, uh, um, businesses be tech-enabled. So I have a very strong connection to the tech community. Um, so do our other partners. And we we have the idea that arts is a part of the innovation ecosystem. Oh, wow. So artists are a part of our ecosystem. And so how, how artists think about um, innovation and creativity needs to be brought into, say, the tech sector. I also have a big connection to the disability um, world. So people with developmental disabilities or mental health challenges and the, the types of the, the, the types of communication and the types of way, the, the ways that people work um, are different. And so 
Um, we want to make sure that we're inclusive in the types of people and the types of businesses and the types of supports they get are tailored specifically to that business or that individual who's doing a startup so that they're not fitting into these cookie cutter places. So I've been a lot, been part of a lot of co-working spaces and I've been a part of a couple of incubators and accelerators and they haven't worked for me because I don't think like a typical business. You know, I have profit is not the primary motivator for me. The purpose and impact is the primary motor for me, motivator for me. Uh, and then, of course, by having my purpose being very strong and people are buying into it, I make a lot of profit. And so that's the types of businesses that we're trying to support. Oh, wow. So, you know, looking at the social enterprise, artists, inclusivity, um, it must require a lot of collaboration to uh, to achieve your goal. That's right. So that's really what uh, what we're... So Intonovus Canada is the not-for-profit sort of arm of what we do. And Intonovus Canada is specifically designed to partner with uh, collectives, collaboratives, individuals, cooperatives, corporations, literally anybody who's pushing forward on social impact um, so that we can help um, create... I don't want to say create, curate the community that exists and help build it up by helping businesses and, and individuals and corporations understand how collaboration works. If you look at a sandbox and you see two kids playing side by side, uh, if they're five years old, they're probably playing together. If they're two years old and under, they're probably playing in parallel. And so that's how we think of cooperation is what's the... Um, uh, capacity that people have to cooperate and collaborate and and what is what's the sort of experience and expertise that they have in that and I think many many cases um, uh, people don't actually know how to collaborate and think that they're collaborating or they think that they're in a partnership or they think they're creating a partnership but it hasn't actually been um, well-rounded or, or, or put together in a way that's going to be sustainable so that's you know we are trying to it's, it's confusing to talk to me because I see that everything's connected and I see how um, the ecosystem, I'm, I'm sort of on the ecosystem level, um, supporting individual entrepreneurs at a very individualistic level. And so I, I'm always playing on both sides of the uh, pendulum, both sides of the teeter-totter. Yeah, so that, that must be interesting when you're, when you're trying to focus on that collaboration because um, historically just from the sectors we've gone to and um, a history that uh, we have in, in Alberta where people might be a bit cautious about sharing um, best practices or IPOs or things like that. How do you, uh, how do you encourage that collaboration? Well, a couple of couple of things is one. So when uh, an entrepreneur comes to me and they want me to sign an NDA before they tell me what they want me to help them with, I'm like, uh, have you Googled your idea? Because the chances that your idea is like a brand new idea that's never been invented before, never existed before is pretty slim. Uh, and I've actually, I have entrepreneurs that have come to me with their idea and haven't Googled themselves and they're, they're recreating something that literally already exists in our own ecosystem. Um, but the other piece is, is, is that it's hard. So we just brought on um, three new co-founders into the development of Impact Calgary for the purpose of becoming Impact Hub. And, you know, as good as we are at it, we're, it's still hard and we're not good at it all the time. We all have our, 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 um, main and side gigs that we're working on in while we're in the process of coming together to collaborate to create this one new thing. And so our attentions are split sometimes and our communication styles, you know, we are learning each other's personality types. And there's a there's a process for going through that. And we um, haven't always gone through the process. So um, there's an organization out there run by Jocelyn Dahl where 
Um, she teaches partnership brokering. And I've been a very a strong proponent of that for many, many years uh, about going through the process. But people want to skip to the end, especially in the, sort of this um, this lean mentality that we live in, lean startup mentality, where you just you know jump in and fail fast. And we say, well, that's okay, and that's well and good, and that is one way to do it. But if you fail fast at your ideation stage and you fail fast at your, um, if you don't do the hard work of, of creating your partnerships and developing those relationships and understanding what it all is going into that, the chances that you fail fast will be much higher because you didn't actually do the groundwork and the legwork and the deep generative work that needs to be done to create the strong bonds and the strong um, like documentation of what you're doing so that everyone feels safe and has that actual trust in the, in the business that you're creating. So Lori, um, at the time of recording this, we're, we're sort of in the cusps of a few social movements, um, things that we're seeing around the world down South, uh, we're in sort of the midst and, uh, of the black lives matter movement, which is uh, starting to come up here to Canada where we're questioning our own, um, social challenges we're seeing in, in relation to cultural bias and, and biases there. Um, but we're also in the recovery phase of COVID-19 and some of the challenges that we see there. So um, with that being said, how do, what role do you find Impact Calgary plays in, in trying to support these, uh, these movements that we're seeing? Right. Thanks. That's a really good question. And I, I, I was just talking about this in, a, in another call earlier today. And I think part of the part of the way Impact Calgary is dealing with this has always dealt with it, even before it existed, and will continue to deal with it, is that each of the co-founders have a very strong social justice, social impact um, vein. Like it's the the social impact piece of what we do is su is super strong. So we're doing business development like most other people do, but unlike what most other people do in incubators, accelerators, or business development school. Uh, when people get their MBAs, we're coming at it from an impact-first perspective. So when you're coming at something from an impact-first perspective, that means that you're considering the social and environmental um, benefits and impacts and costs, as well as the financial benefits, impacts, and costs. So when we're talking about, for example, Black Lives Matter, we have a very strong affinity for supporting people who have been pushed to the edges, and we're always trying to open the pathways to the center. So for example, if you're a person with a disability and you're trying to start a business, it's very difficult, especially if you rely on staff to drive you to places, to get your supplies, to help you if you, if you can't move your hands, those types of things. Or if you're a member of the LGBTQ community and there's not a professional workspace that's, you're, that's including you and you're not allowed to be yourself in your community, or if you're a parent and you have children and you're trying to run your business at the same time as you're parenting, we say, um, you know, if you we we are a child and family friendly co work space, so we op we operate our co working space out of MetaSpace. That's where Impact uh, Calgary exists pre COVID, anyways, and probably hopefully post COVID. And so we want to make sure that uh, when businesses are are uh, we support businesses to embed that social impact into their business model. So that means if you're if if, if we're supporting you or when we're supporting you, whether or not we're supporting you uh, as a member of our organization or not or a, a consultant to your organization or not, we are supporting the ideas and the uh, best practices and the um, um, knowledge that a business needs to, to put into itself, to embed into its business model, to be strongly sustainable. 
So we use the Strongly Sustainable Business Model Canvas, which is now called the Flourishing Business Model Canvas, which is a business model canvas typical to the one you would know about, uh, that, but it is enveloped by social and environmental cost benefits, stakeholders, etc. We also help businesses embed the sustainable development goals into their businesses, into the business model. So, for example, we particularly um, support in our business as Impact Calgary, Sustainable Development Goal 3, which is good health and well-being, Sustainable Development Goal Five, which is gender equality. Number eight, which is recent work, uh, decent work and economic growth. Nine, which is industry innovation and infrastructure. Ten, which is reduced inequalities. Eleven, which is sustainable cities and communities. Twelve, which is responsible consumption and production. And seventeen, which is partnerships for the goals. So we're always trying to include, for example, sustainable development goal three, good health and well-being. We want to support entrepreneurs to be strong, healthy. Um, mentally, physically, and spiritually. So as a parent and you're coming to the co-working space, it's okay if your children makes a peep, you know, we are trying to make that happen. If you have, uh, if you're struggling with a mental health issue or you're, you're an entrepreneur like me that has had a couple of meltdowns in our co-working space, it's a safe place to do that. And we are t- getting training and support uh, from outside sources to help us be that kind of better. So I don't know if that's a long convoluted answer, but that's because there's so many inter there's so many variables and interlacing pieces. Entrepreneurs aren't just one thing. Entrepreneurship isn't just one thing. A business isn't just one thing in our opinion. You know, business in the sense of making profit, but when you add social impact and the people and the humanity around that, it becomes more of a story and a complicated, multi-level faceted entity than just a business, in our opinion. So, you know, if uh, one of the, the appeals that looks like um, that exists for Impact Calgary is, is really the fact that um, if, if you're dealing with barriers that exist um, for yourself that society-wise um, might discriminate against, there's sort of a platform there that will embrace you and help you, uh, help you sort of navigate the system, if I'm hearing you correct. Yeah, that's right. And and there's other organizations out there to do that. Momentum and Thrive do that. Uh, in, uh, Innovate Calgary does that a little bit in terms of the impact space, the impact piece. Um, Mount Royal University in their innovation space does that. Hunter Center at the University of Calgary. Um, Ambrose University uh, comes from that culture as well. Um, but one, ha- one thing that happens to um, entrepreneurs and people that are starting business or learning about business is that once their program is done, there's a bit of a gap. There's nowhere to go. So we want to help entrepreneurs um, get to the right place. So if you're a student coming out of university and you, you're, you're, you've been building your business as part of your programming and then now you're out of university and now where do you get help? You might not, there might not be any resources for you out there. And so we say that maybe you need to go to Thrive. Maybe you need to go to Innovate Calgary, Startup Calgary. Uh, but maybe you should, maybe there's some of the things that we can help you with as well. And so we like to be that space in between. Uh, I, I, I've been involved, like I say before, in a number of um, uh, uh, incubators and, and one accelerator that didn't apply to me. And I could, had to stay in the program because if I left the program early, I would have had to pay um, the money back from to the government for taking that program. So that program got to check off that they helped me start their business, that I was in that program. They didn't actually help me start the business. I had I started my own business on myself with very little help from that program actually hindered me because I had clients right away in that in that program of developing my business that I couldn't actually they couldn't pay me because if I made too much money I'd get kicked out of the program. So just things like that where people don't fit in 
businesses that don't really, you know, they don't fit the mold of a, of a typical business where, for example, right now during COVID, a lot of, there's lots of um, resources and supports out there for small business, but 75% of the small businesses in Canada have one to nine employees. And, you know, we just did our, we've just been doing some research that, um, um, the, I have some stats here, 78%, 78% of the businesses that we have been dealing, dealing with and working with in our just recent study that we're doing are established businesses and only 22 of those are startups. But if you have a business that, um, uh, oh, and, and some other stats here, 34% of the businesses that we just pulled uh, make less than $25,000 a year. That means they're making less than minimum wage as a student. And 22% of those are making, uh, are having, um, 22 each uh, percent are having a wage, um, 36 to $50,000 a year, 50 to $100,000 a year, $100,000 to $500,000. Each of those are 22%. That means that 22% of the businesses that we've been working with are making, um, minimum wage in Alberta as their business, as if, as if, as if they're running it full time. And, um, to 22% of those are, ma- are are only earning a living wage. So it's just very interesting if you think about um, people who are starting side businesses, people that are participating in the gig economy, so they might have a job and running a little business off the side, and people that have gone in all in on their business, there's no real supports for these tiny types of businesses. And so we just ran a conference on Monday, a forum to support uh, an understanding about what's going on with micro-business in Alberta, how many of them are there, what are their needs and what are their wants, what resources have they been able to access and why can't they access some resources. It's always difficult in the sort of early small startup stage, it's always been that way, but especially now when COVID has sort of very much interrupted the way people can do business. Um, so we're just doing our best to, to, to find the gaps and then help fill them if we can with the resources that we're knowledgeable about. Wow, that's fascinating. One comment that you made, which I find uh, remarkable, because sometimes uh, there's this appearance that organizations are very protective of their of their institution, is the fact that you're uh, willing to refer people to other organizations outside of your own if the, if that matches their mold. It's it, it really we deal with that all the time. Yeah, we deal with that all the time. Um, I don't really care who helps an entrepreneur. It's, it's, it's got to be somebody, and, and and it doesn't need to be us. There's lots of resources out there that are available, um, but if you don't fit into any of those resources, I was just applying to be a member of an organization this week, and with one of my businesses because I have a lot of a couple of businesses, and it didn't doesn't fit in because it supports not for profit, so people don't consider it a business. Um, but it's a business. But people in that specific network um, didn't feel that it was going to support other businesses. So how do you fit in as a business or small business? Making Maybe you're making moccasins. Maybe you're making perfume in your garage or basement. Maybe you are thinking about getting into a co-working space. Maybe you already have a retail space. Um, but the types, of, um, the types of supports and innovations that we can do to activate the community to support you as an entrepreneur is something that we've been doing our whole lives. And now we're just in the process of the last two to four years formalizing that into uh, a more uh, sort of brandable, marketable thing. Uh, the, the, what I'm doing in, in Impact Hub and in Impact Calgary and into Novus Canada is what I've been doing my whole life because my original business that I started in 2009 as part of that um, self-employment program was around, I spent 30 years, as you mentioned in my introduction, in the not-for-profit sector. And when I started my business, I was struggling because um, corporate 
um, Calgary corporate business and not-for-profits um, didn't speak the same language, so they weren't able to support each other. There was a quite a, a, a quite a broad gap between uh, these types of organizations supporting each other. And I just have this strong value that um, not-for-profits can support corporations and corporations can support not-for-profits. And that's that social enterprise space that I'm always in. And as I was starting the business to um, sort of help um, this sort of communication divide break down, I ended up starting a business that really supported the not-for-profit sector because of the, the lack of resources for tiny not-for-profits, charities, and civic groups. And if I come in and support them in the way that they need to be supported with fund development, board development, uh, event management, volunteer management, strategic planning, um, those types of skills that small boards don't have, um, that actually gave me the ability to coach and mentor them through the process of communication and with my skills of partnership brokering to help introduce not-for-profits to businesses that could create a healthy, long-term, sustainable partnership in some way. So there's a number of those successful type partnerships that we've created. So now I've just moved to the other side where we're supporting the businesses to understand that same thing. And technically I'm on both sides because my other business still exists. Um, yeah, so this idea that businesses and not-for-profits can work together is the theory around Good Mob. So I don't know if you've heard of Good Mob. It's a part of one of the things that we um, was started by Gary Ellis, who's a member of Rainforest back in before 2012. And the purpose of that was to take a, a group of consumers to mob uh, a business for the purpose of sh uh, buying something that you already needed. So the intention was that people would have at least $20 in their pocket. They'd go on this mob with anywhere between 20 and 100 other people, and you'd go and buy something. And then you, you through, that, through, the, through that process, the um, business would get introduced to a not-for-profit that would support bringing the customers and volunteers to run the event for that business. And then that business would pledge a percentage of the the, the till receipts for that day or that hour, however long that event was, to the not-for-profit for helping. And that was sort of the, another formalization of this business not-for-profit um, mentality that we have. And then the third piece of that is they would go to a, um, another local establishment to have a bite to eat, coffee, beers, whatever it is, and create some community around that so that people actually get to know each other and, and, and build a strong bond around this sort of socioeconomic development. So basically, we're calling it um, uh, experiential crowdfunding, people actually using their dollars to vote for the businesses that are local. Um, and so that's the sort of the mentality that we have around what are the innovation interesting ways. Now, we haven't run one for a couple of years now. We're in the process of relaunching um, the program, the, the idea, and we have a few other things in mind around this sort of experiential um, entrepreneurship building strategies that we have. And they'll be kind of, well, they were going to be rolling out in March, but COVID happened. So we're in the process of getting all of our other programming online. But yeah, this, this, what are the unique and curious and interesting and experiential ways that we can help each other? It's not just about signing, writing a letter. It's not just about, yeah, we believe in positive reciprocal relationships and we're trying to help develop that in the ecosystem. Well, it's fascinating. So it's, it, in essence, you're, you're helping sort of keep that capital within, within the community. And, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, lots of statistical information that shows when, when money's moved to a small business or when people spend or purchase from a small business, that money continues to recycle through, uh, through the local economy and keeps, uh, keeps It's working. so important. 
The supports right now are going to big business um, or even small business. But the biggest of businesses, if, you st- if you're talking about the energy sector, for example, um, that th- those businesses create jobs. Yes, they do. And they do some in- good things in the community. But the bulk of the value that's entered into that business doesn't stay locally. The investors and the owners are not local. And so the, the those dollars and that so that sort of impact that could have been created is siphoned out of our community. And we just say we need to we need to work as locally as possible to create global businesses so that those resources leak into the community, not out of the community. So if we have if you right now I can you know whatever your idea is and if, if it's an idea that you can run a global business off your kitchen table from wherever you are in Alberta, then we want to help you do that because we want those dollars to come into your community wherever you are so that you can spend those dollars in your community supporting other local business charities, civic groups, uh, education, all of those things. So um, as we spoke about before, uh, you, you really alluded hard in, into the fact that, you know, there's, there's those really small businesses that have, you know, one to nine employees. Sometimes the founders are making uh, less than minimum wage. So recently you hosted a, a forum a few days ago um, at the time of recording this. It was the Smaller Than Small Business Forum. Um, first, I want to applaud you for, for making that work uh, given the circumstances we're experiencing right now. But I, I would, I'd love to hear kind of some of the impacts you got out of that forum and some possible uh, future events that Impact Calgary is looking at hosting. Yeah, so I'm just still I'm still um, scrolling through all that information. So everyone that attended uh, that attended that event will have a summary report coming out very shortly. We're also uh, wanting to expand on the survey that we did as part of that. We have a we have a light survey where some of this information that I've gotten now and that it's also tied to some uh, some information that we did on a survey a year and a half ago. Um, but we also have an in-depth survey where we really want to find out what the smallest of small businesses, what they're up to and where they are um, so that we can, uh, number one, um, help them. Number two, the challenge with micro businesses, small businesses, smaller than small businesses, um, is that they're, 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 they're not a collective. They tend not to be a member of the chamber. It's too expensive. They tend not to be members of various um, associations, partially because of the added cost. And partially because those um, those associations uh, don't benefit them because they're too small. And so we wanted to find out um, what's going on in the ecosystem. And if we can rally that community together, A, to support each other, and B, to affect any change that may need to actually be changed uh, at whatever level of investors, government, banking. We had a... Um, we had some banking members or one banking member attend, but we, 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 we had a challenge getting banks to attend that session because when we talked about the size of businesses that we were talking about, that, that, that there's not much, I don't want to say much interest, but it's not the, it's not the risk that they're willing to take on. And there, there, there's an assumption there that these small businesses are risky, but you know, we have uh, if within that group, you know, 22% of that group was making a hundred to $500,000 a year in their business. My last, my business before I started pivoting was making almost 120,000, almost $100,000 a year, only working 20 hours a week on that business. And so to, to, to go to a bank as a small business, there's sort of a power imbalance. One of the things that came out of that session was um, some advice that I hadn't ever thought of was that to try and find the right banker. You know, if you're, if you're a micro business, if you're a small business, you're going to have to do some legwork to find the person that believes in your type of business and, and your size of business. Um, 
Yeah, we also, um, we created a, a dog. We were in the process of creating a document during the event. I haven't looked at it yet, but reams and reams of resources because we wanted to create a filtered toolkit for the micro-sized businesses, for the businesses that are making less than a million dollars, likely much less than that, likely less, you know, more on the $200,000 range and less, um, so that the waves and waves and waves of information that are coming out during COVID for small business re uh, resources, it just takes too long for a micro-business to filter through that, and then it, it takes too long to apply to find out that you don't even qualify. So the purpose of starting that event was to find out what's going on, how can we help, and how can we help others help each other. Now we have, you know, 57 people who um, now know each other in some way, and through the resources that they were able to share, we know that a number of phone calls and, and conversations occurred out of that during the session. People were sharing their contact information. So I think it's really important for us to create community around business and that's not really the way it's been done in the past um now as you kind of allude to the the creating community around businesses um if I, could, I kind of asked you two questions uh, which are very similar in in that vein uh what would you say are some of the uh most successful models that we have to support that and uh where would you see some of our opportunities um yeah, well, the successful models that are out there is like Thrive is successful in what they do. Startup Calgary is successful in what they do. Innovate Calgary is successful in what they do. You know, District Ventures and, and Assembly, what they're doing there, um, th those are all successful. The challenge is, is and I, so this ties into the rainforest philosophy, is it's siloed. Nobody's really working together. And I know I've been trying to partner and support and collaborate with lots of these organizations for a long time, but it hasn't really panned out hasn't really worked out and likely because uh, it's we're a small business ourselves and so we don't you know we don't have a street cred you know uh, other people out there don't know all the work that we've been doing over the many years of our of our existence as individuals and in, in the other businesses that we have run and do run and so um, I think the 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 goal that we have is to get these these different um organizations to connect in some sort of meaningful way. And um, I, th I think me knocking on the door of everybody and reminding everybody to stay connected is part of it. Um, but part of it is the, the sort of club mentality. You know, we were partnering with, working to partner with Innovate Calgary for a long time on their uh, social impact piece. And they're doing really good things now there with Jordana and they have been all along. But they talked to us for a really long time. And then one of our last meetings with one of the head guys there, I'm not gonna name any names, basically said, we don't need to partner with you. Um, we own the social impact space here. And we're like, okay, well, as long as it gets done. But you know, that was a lot, a, a lot of, um, you know, conversations around um, bringing the community together. And when actuality, it, it seemed like after the fact that the, the, the premise was not that from both sides of the discussion. So, you know, as long as as long as social impact and, and businesses get supported in the way they need supported, and I'm not talking bums in seats, and I'm not talking someone fitting into your cookie cutter program, but entrepreneurs are getting the supports they need. And I come from the disability sector, so we did individualized support. So every, treating every person as a person, not as a number, not as a, 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 a person that needs to fit into a program, but adapting and modifying. So that's my background. That's how I think. And I think that we can support individual businesses and business owners from a unique individualized level. And that's, you know, that's, we're not funded by the government. We're not funded by um, anybody that's going to tell us what to do. That might happen to us in the future. I hope not. We're going to try and be diligent about that. But 
Yeah. So is it working? It's, it's all working, but it's working slowly and it's working disjointedly and the networks are not as connected as they could be. You know, uh, rainforest, one of the big pillars of rainforest is culture. And we're, we just, we're just not talking about culture of entrepreneurship and, and innovation. We're talking, we've been talking all around. If you look at the rainforest um, Slack channel, there's not even one comment in the culture channel. So, you know, we really need to work hard on that. We really need to pay attention and we really need to document and measure the impacts that we're making. And, and we as a society in general aren't good at that. So it's, of course, it's going to be hard for us locally in our, in our own ecosystem to do that. But we're trying to help entrepreneurs understand how to tell their story, how to record their story, how to decide what their impacts are going to be or are, and then how to measure that. And, and so that we can actually show some proof about what's actually happening in our local environment that actually connects into the global system of people that are trying to affect change. Um, I know like when we looking at kind of your, your career, we could probably fill another episode talking about sort of, <laughs> uh, what you've done in the past, but um, you know, we're all influenced by experiences that we've, we've had and experienced in the past. So I, I'm, you know, having heard you uh, comment that you've, you've ran multiple ventures before, what would you say, um, from your past experiences has impacted you in the direction that you're taking as a co-founder impact Calgary and, and supporting, uh, supporting small businesses and supporting collaboration. Yeah. Well, a couple of things I grew, uh, I lived in Calgary till I was about five and then we moved to the country. So I was K to 12 in the country. What I got from that was number one, uh, country is dirt and bugs. That's what I thought when I was five. Um, but then growing up out there, it was a community where, um, uh, we weren't really accepted because we were outside. We were newcomers into that community. So we had to, you know, we had to, I had to learn how to communicate and and, and not be shy about um, sort of expressing who I was. It turned out that the best way for me to express who I was was to leave that small community. But like, growing up on a farm, uh, learning innovation and invention. I invented tons of stuff out in the shop and and putting together things that didn't exist and, you know, building uh, things that, you know, would help make life easier. Uh, we renovated a few houses, those types of things. So that innovation and invention is really part of the rural community that I grew up in. The next part happened in um, 2008. I was laid off. My major career at that time was recruiting, although I always had four or five jobs at any given time. But my sort of main moneymaker at that time was in recruiting and I was laid off. And I decided that I would hold a meeting about myself because in the disability sector, uh, I had been running PATH meetings for years for, to support people who couldn't communicate to have a good life. What were their hopes and dreams? And so I decided, you know, I've been doing that to people for a long time. I should have it. I should do it to myself. And so I have, know what the experience is. And what came out of that was um, I brought together a cross section of people that I'd known for a very long time that I didn't know for very long uh, that were um, different ages and for were from the different uh, pillars of the community that I work in. So community, arts, disability, education, uh, technology, and entrepreneurship. And the people that came, I was surprised. Number one, people came. So I had about 15 people that came to that event and some were people like one of the executives uh, that had just laid me off came some of my staff from my future uh, from my past jobs came some of my friends that I'd known for 30 years came some of my friends that I just met for a couple of months came so a very good cross-section so this is how I think about entrepreneurship is in this very same way 
And what came out of that was a couple of things. One is people identified that the things that I do naturally and normally are viable commodities that people will pay for. I had no idea that I was a project manager. I was just very efficient at helping things get done. And they also gave me permission to not have a job. My, my, all my old 30-year-old friends at that time had been in their same jobs for 14 years. And I was the weirdo that was like changing, doing you know three jobs at a time, changing things up every two to three years. And they gave me permission to do that. And that was, that was the impetus for me to really decide to jump in and start my own business because I thought that I had to be the normal and it turns out that my normal is what other people need. And so that was real. those two things, uh, growing up and building things and inventing things out of my mind and making them happen and having the permission to be who you are and be authentic and, and, and understand that the way you think about how people connect and how, how, how people communicate and how you think business and not-for-profit should run is a, is a, something that people need. And there's a bit of a commodity to that. And then those positive reciprocal relationships that can come out of that is really how I've defined myself and built that sort of basic foundation into Intonovas Canada and Impact Calgary. All right. So I, I would love to tie that into to something um, just as we get close to wrapping up, which is um, if, if I, let's say theoretically, I was a, I was a small business owner looking to, to start a startup. Uh, and I brought you into to my room to talk about uh, what I should do as as uh, as a potentially future in, future uh, innovator. Uh, what advice would you give to me? Well, the first couple of things that I would start off with is, is I would get to know you a little bit and get to know a little bit about what your idea for your business is. The why that you have for why you want to start a business and the why you have for who you are as a person are really key components to be able to create the foundation for who you are and who your business can be. And then the values that you have, the values that you want to embed into your business, and then the value that that creates and then the shared value that you can um, sort of find and create uh, with your customers and your other stakeholders. So that there's a process to build to build to building that. The other piece is as uh, we use Alex Bruton's tool around uh, innovation ninjas, uh, and we would uh, talk with you at the ideation stage before you start bending into a business. And we he's created a process that we that helps businesses um, pivot their ideas fast. So you you'd come to chat with us. Um, there's usually more than one of us, three, hopefully at least. You would tell us your idea, and then we there's a grading scale and a coding scale that sort of provides a litmus of where you are at the time of your business, how you're telling your story, and how we're hearing it. And then that uh, you can go away from the feedback that you get from that and decide: Am I gonna am I gonna um, plow forward? Is there something I need to change? Is there something I need to add? Is there something about my idea that is really, really good or isn't working? Or is this, do I need to just learn how to tell my story in a different way? So all of those things from the very earliest stages, especially if this is your first business that you're, lots of people have had business ideas for a long time and they've never told anybody. So lots of times I'm hearing a business idea for the very first time. People are nervous about it, nervous about sharing their idea. So then we say, um, how can we introduce you to the people that you need to know? And that ideation, that ideation process that Alex Bruton comes up with, it actually draws resources and attention to what you're doing. And so that actually, when you come to get to the point where you're actually launching your business or starting your business or in that pre-designed stage of your business, you already have resources and connections and knowledge 
that a lot of businesses don't have when they're starting. So that's the first place that we start. The minimum that we can do is make an introduction to you, to somebody that can help you. The maximum that we can do is is stand by you the whole way through your journey up until the way up until the point where you'd want to garner investors or sell your business. So there's a broad range of, of, of supports that we can offer as individual members of our organization or as our organization as a whole. Excellent. And just uh, finally, um, just uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with Impact Calgary or thought they knew a business that would uh, would be a good fit for Impact Calgary? What's the best way to connect with you guys? Yeah, so if you go to www.impactcalgary.com, we're in the process of updating our website because we're moving everything online. Um, But you can see some of the theories and philosophies around who we are. Uh, There's also a chat function on there. If you want, if you hit the chat button on there, uh, you'll come to me typically. Um, You can um, email me at laurie at impactcalgary.com. And I was going to give you my phone number, but I don't have it off the top of my head. It's not memorized in my noggin, but yeah. Or when we're back and live, uh, you'll be able to drop by uh, Metaspace and that's where our location is. Uh, so once the, once everything starts opening up again, we'll, we'll be putting our addresses back up on the, on the internet. So when you Google us or I don't know if our address shows up now, maybe it does. So if you Google us, you'll be able to see our address. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for, uh, for joining us today and, and talking about how, uh, how working collaboratively and collectively can help benefit the ecosystem as a whole. It's been great. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.